0: Lord, thank you for, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, a new year, an opportunity, Lord, uh, to grow in grace and knowledge of you, an opportunity, Lord, to learn more about who you are and to go deeper into your, your word. We pray, Lord God, that each one of us uh, would uh, discern the message you have for us individually and that corporately Lord we would come away with the word that you have for us for this season so we ask all this in Yeshua's name Amen, Amen. Amen. as is our custom we want to begin first of all by reading from uh, Galatians 1 1 to 10 you have some seats up front um, and uh, let's see Joy you look like you're eager to read
1: Paul and emissary sent not from men or by man but by Yeshua the Messiah and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to Messiah's communities of Galatia grace to you and shalom from God our Father and our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from the one who called you by the grace of Messiah to a different good news, not that there is another, but only some who are confusing you and want to distort the good news of Messiah. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should announce any good news to you other than what we have proclaimed to you, let that person be cursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you good news other than what you received, let that person be under a curse. Am I now trying to win people's approval or God's? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of the Messiah.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, I'm having a personal dialogue with my computer, and it's not helpful. Uh, young fellow over here, sir, would you come and? No. Oh no! Yes. <laughs> uh, why is it doing that? I put Galatians one and. It is refusing to talk to me. So what are you trying to look up in the Epistles Glacon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm, strange. Well, okay. Um, you have a trusty map. I want to start off by looking at the map. Everybody, have a map. Okay, um, it helps, especially when we're talking about a place like Galatia where none of us have been, I don't think, um, it's helpful to understand the, the basic um, layout geographically. Mm-hmm. So um, you see where Galatia is, duh, directly below that is uh, the city of Iconium. Now. Uh, This is uh, obviously in uh, central, thank you sir, Uh, this is in central uh, southern uh, Turkey today and if you look off to the side uh, you'll find Antioch um, real close to the coast, the Mediterranean coast. Uh, in what is now Syria and of course when you go further down you, you find Jerusalem so these are some of the uh, places you want to, to be able to notice um, Antioch by the way there were a couple of Antiochs or more than a couple two so
2: that I know of
0: oh. uh, there was this Antioch uh, here And then there was Pisidian, Antioch, which is in Turkey. Antioch, of course, comes from... Antiochus. Antiochus, you know, the the guy that we boo at Hanukkah time, Antiochus Epiphanes? The Greek guy. The Greek guy, yeah, the bad guy, really bad guy. Um, So, uh, right around uh, Iconium, we don't have all the cities laid out, but there is uh, Obsidian of Antioch, Iconium, uh, uh, Lystra and Derby and also what you may or may not be aware of is the fact that once you hit one of these cities then the impact of your ministry then spreads out uh, to the larger region and, and by the way um, if, if you read commentaries there's some doubt which I don't see much point to exactly where it is but um, this is as best that we can determine where uh, where Galatia was and Paul uh, begins the ministry there um, about uh, 17 16 years after he became a believer so the ministry Galatia was relatively new for him um, and he responds to them like uh, a father who is writing a letter to his kids. Uh, kids who are being highly oblivious and highly clueless. Um, by the way, you may notice that, uh, that the beginning here is kind of rough. Uh, because typically when you were to write a letter... Uh, an epistle somewhere in the beginning you say hi this is Jorge and I'm writing to you guys who are in uh, Guadalajara and I am immensely grateful uh, when I think of you guys because uh, I know you're wonderful people so that was typically the way the way that a letter like this would begin you notice that there's nothing here that says, I thank my God for you. So that kind of gives you a clue that this is going to be a rough letter. Um, and Paul is starting right off the bat by making a big deal about the fact that his commission was not given to him by a bunch of people, but his commission came from. From God, why do you think he makes such a big to do uh, about the fact that his commission came from God? Well, it can't be changed, hmm? it can't be
3: changed, nor can you go to somebody. I mean, if it was that Nancy had sent me, then you can go to Nancy and say, Nancy, what do you think about as opposed to God sent me sent me. My revelation is from God.
0: Okay. As opposed to the legalism that existed. As opposed to legalism. Okay. Um, people were, because of challenges to that, people didn't believe that he was the legitimate authority. Yeah, as, as we'll see in just a bit, every single place where Paul went, uh, people were like greyhounds going after his case. Um, and so he's had to deal with that Um, and so Paul obviously does not have ego issues but both in a place like this and also in Corinth Paul spends a great deal of time uh, justifying his commission as an apostle again the reason for that is not that he has to prove something to to people but if he has no authority, no validity as an, apo- as an apostle. What will happen? They really, they
2: won't follow him. They won't listen. They won't believe.
0: They won't. They will not, uh, hear the instruction, God's instruction that is coming through him, because they will minimize him. Why should I listen to you? Kind of a uh, kind of a perspective, and so. That's why he spends a whole bunch of time uh, in these beginning verses proving to them or laying out the case of the fact that he has been called by God. Now, um, we obviously need to consider the fact that Paul is not minimizing anybody else. In fact, I want to look at a couple of places in Acts and we'll be bopping back and forth from Galatians to Acts. Acts 13. So please turn to Acts 13. And Sylvia, would you read verses 1 to 3?
2: Now in Antioch community, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, Paul, Niger, uh, Lucius, the Syrian, <coughs> Manion, brought up since childhood with Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Ruach HaKodesh said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting, praying,
4: and laying hands on them, they sent them off.
0: Okay. So, uh, here is the other <coughs> Antioch, um, where uh, where Paul gets his start. And how would you describe um, the picture here in Antioch? What's what's taking place? The commission
4: service.
0: There's a commissioning service. Wow, okay. Who's being commissioned?
4: Paul and Barnabas. By whom? By the By the believers, by the rest of
0: the group, By the Holy Spirit. First of all, by the Holy Spirit, and secondly, by the rest of the leadership. Now, when you commission someone, what does that suggest? You're sending them
1: somewhere.
0: You're sending them so you have authority over somebody in order to commission them. You can't just say, Hi, uh, my name is so-and-so. I'm going to commission you. Uh, So, Paul is aware of the fact that he is under authority in 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 Antioch, then come over to fifteen two. Is that the same
1: as Smiha?
0: Smicha? Smicha. Very good. Yeah. Smicha. Okay, Acts fifteen two. Michael, sir.
5: Just verse two. Okay, yeah. when therefore Shaul and Barnabas ne- <clears throat> had let me see, sorry, missing a word. Had no small uh, uh, disagree dissension, and disputation with them. They uh, determined that Shaul and Barnabas. And certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question.
0: Okay, why don't you back up to verse 1, Michael?
5: Okay. And certain men which came down from Yehuda taught the brethren and said, except you all circumci- be circumcised after the manner of Moshe, you all
0: from cannot be saved. So here you have a situation where you have two groups of Jewish believers, two groups of Messianic Jews. One says that Gentiles have to... Undergo conversion, um, men have to become circumcised and women have to go through the mikvah, the ritual bath, um, and take on the full scope of the, the law of, of the Torah. That without that, there is no salvation. So that's one group over here. And uh, understand that they are that they're described as believers, they're not described as the Judaizers, the legalists, and so on, the kind of... They were, le- they were legitimate believers, uh, and understand that at this beginning point, things weren't uh, spelled out, and so there was some basic confusion. Because up until now, if somebody who was not Jewish wanted to become part of God's people, what did they have to do? They have to become part of Israel, whether convert or somehow become uh, join themselves, and so that was kind of the standard, uh, the standard model for non-Jews to become part of the people of God up until this point. So the uh, the apostles and and the believing community in Jerusalem and in Antioch knew that God had a special plan for the Gentiles. Uh, the salvation of of the Gentiles was something that's spelled out in the prophets and Yeshua said go into all the world and and preach the good news Uh, making disciples of all nations so they knew that Gentiles needed to be brought in to salvation they needed to become part of the people of God but they had no clue how that was supposed to happen So here you have a bunch of people who are saying, it can only happen when these guys take on the Torah and in essence become Jewish, become part of Israel. And then you have on this side, you have Paul and Barnabas and and a, a, a small group of others who traveled with them and did the work of the ministry to Gentiles. saw saw how God was reaching out and lassoing grabbing and bringing people into the kingdom of God people who had been basically rank pagans Greek or whatever uh, and and uh, they came to know the Lord they were the Spirit of God came upon them and that was the um, the proof positive that these guys had become believers so you have this battle of opinions between two groups of Jewish believers. And it got so intense that they realized, you know, this is not working here. Uh, by the way, if you're familiar, uh, if you've seen uh, Frisco Kid, uh, the very beginning, all right, I'm sorry, That this is not quite scriptural here. Uh, the beginning of Frisco Kid, uh, he is in Poland in the Yeshiva and they're having a discussion. and it's not one of these mild discussion Presbyterian discussions, but they're pounding on the on table. they're yelling at each other. That's kind of what was going on. Um, a group of opposing opinion Jews who were talking, uh, and it got intense. And they realized that uh, things were not being accomplished. And so that's why they sent Paul. Again, Paul is sent as an emissary by the spiritual uh, leadership of the, of the congregation in Antioch to come to Jerusalem. And by the way, this issue here uh, basically is what defines most of what this letter is about, the letter to the Galatians. Uh, does everybody need to take on the Torah fully in every aspect in order for them to receive God's salvation? And so, um, Paul is being sent. And uh, my point simply is, Paul understands what it means to be under authority. You know, he is not saying I'm hot stuff and and. Uh, uh, everybody has to acknowledge me um, but again remember uh, and here is something that um, that will be helpful I think I, I know will be helpful uh, this letter is a polemic does anybody know what a polemic is other than Rabbi David a polemic is something where you get intense. You have an intense discussion, and you're not interested in laying out all the facts. It's you're interested strong, in making a point. It's a strong, persuasive argument. It's very strong, persuasive argument. Um,
5: and this whole book is that tone.
0: All of Galatians is like that, um, and so people assume that everything that Paul is saying here. Is the way he feels, generally speaking, and that's not the case. It, this is a polemic. He 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 has he has something on his crosshairs, and and he feels uh, passionate to get the point across to these people because he's afraid that if he doesn't, these guys will go off a cliff. And what's interesting. Is that later on in chapter three and four, he talks to them and he says, "I'm afraid that my work will have gone in vain, because you guys are not getting it, and I labored for you to be born in childbirth, which is kind of uh, an odd expression for for this this uh, macho guy that or what people think he is macho." Um, so polemic means that what Paul has to say here does not reflect anything and everything he has to say about the Torah about the law of Moses. Yes, no, maybe someone thumbs up. You're not sure.
4: You're saying but these that are the hard these are the hard things that that are still confusing the Christians
0: out there. Well, uh, confusing the Christians out there confusing people in the Messianic community Uh, I've I've been part of the Messianic community before there was a Messianic community and I can tell you that people still uh, don't get it in fact uh, our our Orthodox friend Joe Charnas comes to Galatians and says see the New Testament is (laughs) anti-Torah and unfortunately big chunk of church history has come to, to Galatians to supposedly prove the fact that that the Torah is irrelevant, mostly irrelevant, since it's been fulfilled. There really has no no s- practical significance for us who are followers of Yeshua. Yeah, well, I, I've been told way ago in the
2: Messianic community when I do when I, uh, uh, the You're, holidays and everything, because now the
0: they say you are you
4: not know, anymore under the Torah, under the law. And so you say to them, God told me. <laughs> well, we're, we're
0: accused of being Judaizers. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, because people assume, and, and this is unfortunately part of, of the, the picture. Um, people look at scripture... And they say, "Yeah, it's a little complicated, but I can I can boil it down in, into and put it in a box and label it so that it's perfectly understandable, and I know exactly what it's saying." Have you heard people say something like that? Uh, so here you have uh, the law, and here you have grace, and there's a big, big, big big gulf between the two of them. Uh, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, so bear with me. We'll get back to Galatians here in a minute. But anybody who knows anything about the history of Israel knows that you cannot understand what God has done with Israel without understanding the fact that there's always been major grace given by God to the nation of Israel. Um, Again, just just one example. God allowed 400 years of apostasy and idol worship before God said, alright, I've had it. Uh, You guys are going to exile. Uh, That is major grace. And if you really understand how the Torah was written, You understand that this is, in in a sense, a love letter from God to the nation of Israel. To give you an example, in Exodus 19, the Lord says, uh, You are special to me. You are segula, a treasure possession. And I carried you on wings, uh, which is a very tender expression of an eagle taking the young eagles, eaglets, and protecting them. And, and you read the prophets and you see the heart of God for Israel and you see that there is grace over and over and over and over again, uh, then people don't understand that the New Covenant, the New Testament, is full of law. Did you know that? There's somewhere about 1,050 laws, commandments in the New Testament. Really? Now, I haven't sat and counted all of them, but uh, a gentleman named Dake, Dake Study Bible, has done that. Um, and, and you see that the tone of the commandments isn't all that different when you come from the Torah to the prophets into the New Testament. Um, our God is a consuming fire, the book of Hebrews. You mess with God, He nukes you. That's what the book of Hebrews says. The book of Hebrews also says, come boldly before the throne. So people really want to take and put everything in a nice little box. And and what's the problem with that? It's not reality. It's not reality. Can you put God in a little box? No. And so you have all these amazing... Uh, realities that you find in scripture that seem to be in dynamic tension with each other. And both this and this is truth. For example, the fact that the sovereignty of God, God is in control, right? Amen. Yes? Yes? You're not sure? Yes? Yes. 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 Okay. (laughs) Getting a little nervous there. But by the same token, the fact that God is in control doesn't mean that, that uh, the cell phone rings and God says, OK, lift this foot, now put it down, and then lift this foot and put it down. Well. Somehow, human will is involved. And Scripture is very clear about that. So, is it this or is it that? Well, it's both. It's very Jewish. Uh, you know, God happens to be Jewish, I know that. Uh, and so that's why when you come to something like Galatians it is a polemic, people don't understand that Paul isn't saying everything he has to say about the Torah so for example when you come to Romans, Paul says the law is spiritual spiritual means good, right? I'm the problem I'm the screw up um That's Romans 7. Romans 8 Those who walk after the Spirit as they walk after the Spirit then the righteous demands of the Torah are being fulfilled. So somehow the commands of God for righteousness that are spelled out in the Torah are are binding on believers today. Now exactly how that plays out, that's for a different discussion. Uh, but po- again, polemic. Paul is going to pull out the stops in order to say to these Galatians, you come into the kingdom of God not because you're able to to keep the Torah and check off all all of the commandments. But you come into the kingdom of God because by faith. So does he minimize God's requirements for believers to live a righteous life.
3: I think the sticking point was the
0: uh, the castration
3: that
4: he was talking about. The castration. C- yeah. Yeah. C- That's, C- what not castration. That's what he castration. That's really some of these. <laughs> That's a lot of that.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's bypass that uh operation here. Um Yeah, I mean, at some point he he gets so angry. And and this is something, by the way, what you see how Paul expresses himself is like what you see in the prophets. I mean, the prophets use some rough language. If you don't believe me, you should read the prophets. Um, But yeah, he says says to them over and over again, uh, the Torah is not what saves you. So people assume that because of that, he is minimizing the Torah. And so one reason we felt led to dive into that is to, to address the confusion that we get from different sources about what, how we should be relating to the Torah, the five books of Moses, and the commandments that are spelled out in, in Moses. Sir? Is
3: this, is this similar in, in context to um, grace and works? In, a, in where you where people are you know you're saved by grace not by works and so then they throw out throughout the fact that okay then we no longer need to do works and they, and plainly he says no that's not the case. So if you have again here with, with, the, with the Torah and with, with grace and the law, if you don't have the reason for grace, is because we're not able to fulfill which is what peter says right before paul gets up to speak we're not able to fulfill and that's why the yoke is isn't removed
4: the yoke doesn't get removed but the but the yoke is lessened though the yoke is able to
3: be complete is that kind of where you're going uh
0: yes and no okay uh the yoke is not removed the yoke is made impossible so that you say, okay, God, your commandments are beyond me. Therefore, I need the Spirit of God to give me the power to do it. Yes, sir.
3: And that's a power that makes you able to observe the Torah.
0: Because without that, uh, you're on your own, basically. And yeah, uh, because because of this false dichotomy, the false... Uh, gulf between the Torah and grace that's one of the reasons you see people getting real goofy uh, and saying you know God loves me I am am I'm Jesus buddy and therefore I can do whatever whatever I feel like Uh, so again remember this is a polemic not everything about the Torah the the way Paul feels about it is what you're going to find in Galatians in fact, you can come away saying, Wow, you know, is Paul really antinomian? Antinomian means anti Torah. Uh, that comes from oh man. It comes from the Greek word for Torah, which is Michael. Nomos. Nomos. So again, um All right, we're we're going to skip uh, and go to the end of Acts chapter twenty-eight, verse sixteen, just to prove a point. (coughs) And Steve Cable, you look like you're wanting to read, sir. Sixteen or seventeen, I think. Seventeen. after three days he called together the local leaders of the Jews and when they had gathered he said to them brothers though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans." okay now now listen carefully to what Paul is saying who is Paul talking to? Jews what kind of Jews? Prominent leaders. The 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 leaders, the fathers of the Jewish community in Rome, and he says to them, "I have not been guilty of what breaking
3: customs. breaking customs.
0: the customs." Okay, what does customs mean?
1: Isn't that more of a human interpretation of what should be?
0: He's not saying, yeah. He's not saying, uh, I've not, I'm not guilty of breaking the Torah. That's assumed. The customs is uh, what has also been called tradition, or the oral law. Tradition. Or the oral law. And remember that Paul describes himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. What does that mean?
1: The ultimate keepers of the law.
0: Yeah. This was a Torah observant Jew. And yes, that was qualified because when he came to these places where, where they would say uh, ham and cheese sandwich, Paul, he would eat it. But at home and wherever he was in uh, situations where he had the ability, he did not do anything against the customs, the Torah or the customs. So you have to take what you see in Galatians and in other places and com, and compare it with what Paul is saying uh, in in Acts chapter twenty eight because he's saying this is who I am. So wh- what you see in in Galatians is designed to be a shocker because he he feels that the stakes are so high that he has to do whatever it takes to grab their attention you know what that's like when when uh... when you are uh, I'll, I'll use the analogy of, of parents, I know you guys won't like it <laughs> but uh... when you talk to your, to your child and they don't get it and you're a real concern and what do you do? You 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 yell at them or grab them by the collar. And, and and that's basically what Galatians is, folks. Paul is grabbing these guys who are his spiritual children and trying to shake them up because he feels like they're going off a cliff. Yes, ma'am? I, I wanted to make sure
2: I understood you correctly.
0: You are probably you, didn't.
2: I probably did or did not. Did not. All right. Um, are you saying that when Paul is outside of his home, uh,
0: he went to a Gentile's house and the offered him, of, we call it ham and cheese he would take it? Absolutely Interesting Absolutely, because we're, hang on before you, you endeavor to uh, lash me with, with uh, <laughs> what noodles <laughs> uh, I, I, according to the customs of the time the oral the oral customs um... A Gentile was unclean. So, if you came to the house of a Gentile and sat down and ate with them, by definition, you became ritually unclean. And if you were ritually unclean, you could not go and worship in the temple and be part of the larger community. You had to undergo the cleansing process in order to get rid of the of the, uh, of the uncleanness. Uh, which is why God had to give Peter this major shocker of a vision and say to him Peter uh, don't call these guys unclean and and he sent him to Cornelius because Cornelius needed to hear the good news and that was the same thing with Paul in order for Paul to go into the house of, of a Gentile um, he was risking becoming ritually unclean, and for the sake of the good news, Paul was willing to do that. However, he still, in his practice, um, maintained his his scruples as a Torah observant Jew. Yes, ma'am. Um, what I'm trying to understand is, where
2: you necessarily derive the idea that he ate ham and cheese? In other words, he could go into a Gentile's home. And he could eat vegetables, or he could go
0: into a gentile's school. Um, I mean, where do you get the idea that he? I, uh, of, in uh, other my, words, you're taking a trace, and you
2: know, wrong combinations. And, so on. and where from the scripture would he derive that? That's what
0: he did. I get it from the Bible, by the way. <laughs> the from from from, from, from from Romans, you know? from Romans and Corinthians, where Paul says, whatever. <laughs> Whatever they put before you, you eat.
5: Asking nothing.
0: Asking nothing, and more importantly, Joanne, more importantly, the mere fact that you step into a Gentile's house means that you have become unclean. I understand
2: that, but I could step into a Gentile's house and eat vegetables.
0: You could, however, at that point you already will be unclean.
2: That's okay. I could no,
0: it. it is not okay, because but
2: I mean, it doesn't naturally mean that I have to eat what I would not normally. You know, I would eat.
0: Alright, uh, Joanne, we can argue that point no, until, no. The, until the pigs come home or the cows come home. Uh, the, the, the point is, for the sake of the good news of Yeshua, Paul would transgress customs. He makes that very clear, for example, in 1 f- Corinthians chapter 9, that for the sake of the good news, he would do whatever he took within limits within limits. Yeah. He did not become gay in order to reach the gay community. Uh, but within limits, he he had stretched uh, in order to be able to do that. When you
4: were uh, showing this book uh, with the law on one side and the uh, grace on another side, uh, coming from very strong Christian background, I always When I was reading New Testament, especially Corinthians and Romans, it was kind of, I'm trying to understand it, and it was closed book. So it was like discrepancy about, yeah, there's grace, so we don't need the law. But on another hand, in New Testament, it says the law is uh, holy. So if we don't need it, how we can not need it if it's holy? So for me, it was kind of like, uh, you drive on a car, on the road, so traditional Judaism is on one side and Christianity on another side. If you go off either one, you're broke. But the thing is, we still need the law and we still need the grace. So we can follow and we can, we can follow God and do it both. But what is important, what is not important,
0: and, and and that's, it's kind
4: and, uh, of like Galatians, is kind of like explaining
0: that. Yeah, and that's a separate issue. Again, there is no division between grace and law. Because the law was given by God's grace, and, and grace that was given that came through Yeshua, by necessity had to involve some basic commandments. This is how you live life when you come into the kingdom. All right, uh, we're...
2: Go ahead. Well, if, if Paul in his, in his own home, you know, he kept the kosher and everything, the customs and so on. But when he went out among the Gentiles, I, would, I just often I couldn't remember. Was he ever accused by other Jewish um, people of... Um, because you've eaten with the Gentiles, you
0: are therefore not really keeping observing the Torah. Uh, You never find in the book of Acts any criticism of Paul for non-observance. In fact, when you come to Acts 21, uh, when when the apostles say to Paul, Paul, we heard these rumors that you're teaching people to ignore the Torah. We know it's a bunch of bunk. So to, to prove that this is rubbish... Go take these guys and get them uh, purified or ritually. And Paul says, of course. And he goes and does that. Uh, when he's standing in front of a Jewish audience, would you wait patiently? I <laughs> am Thank you. Um, when he's standing in front of a Jewish audience uh, in Jerusalem, uh, because there was a big bruhaha, he's talking and everybody loves what he's saying until he says, God... Told me to go to the Gentiles, and at that point everything breaks, breaks loose, and they say this guy doesn't belong uh, living on this earth. Kill him. But he, but he's never, he's never accused of of being a bad Jew, uh, 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 someone that does not keep keep the Torah. Yes, ma'am. Um, if I recall the Acts 21, passage
2: to the exact accusation. Was that he was telling the Jews who lived among the Gentiles basically to give up a Torah-observant life. Correct. Um, and then he was saying to show them that that is not true. So, therefore, he was telling the Jews who were living among the Gentiles that they could still continue living a Torah-observant life. So, then how would they have done that and still fellowship with the Gentiles? I and mean, again, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is.
0: Because living like a gentile would have involved um, not keeping kosher, right? Yeah, and, and this is, folks, look... Uh,
2: and yet he's saying, no, he didn't tell them
0: that. Correct. Uh, part. Uh, look, you're, you're dealing with something that is both and, and, and is, is complex, and we don't like that. We want to take it, we want to boil it down, we want to put it in, in a box and label it. Uh, and so the truth is, you have a couple of things here, and both of them are at work. One of them is the fact that it was God's will for Jews and Gentiles to come together and have fellowship. Okay? Yeah. Uh, that's what Acts 15 was all about. Uh, and the Jewish believers struggled with that. They didn't know exactly what that looked like, but in Acts 15... Uh, the the, uh, the the determination came. Gentiles do not need uh, to to, uh, to to observe the Torah. Here are some basic things so that Jews and Gentiles can come in fellowship and have unity. That's what this is about. Um, and and so you you have uh, that. Uh, on the other hand you have the fact that that these early jewish believers were committed to being torah observant and you have somewhat of a tension between those two b- between those two issues and some people got it like like paul and barnabas why because they saw the hand of god peter got it because he saw what happened with cornelius but other people didn't and they were breaking their teeth on it so you have a situation both of, of Torah observance and willing to say for the sake of fellowship I, I, I will sidestep certain things so that I can have fellowship with, with this brother or with this sister.
5: For the sake of the gospel.
0: For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of fellowship, for the sake of unity. Because the Lord would not permit Gentile believers and Jewish believers to be in in isolated ghettos. That's not God's will. Yes, ma'am.
1: I went to that conference where a fellow named Ryan Lambert presented a paper on this very issue. And this issue is very important. The Messianic Jewish movement is almost 50 years old, so it's very young. Right. And we need to resolve this question worldwide. So what you're talking about tonight is extremely important, I
0: think. Well, I agree with you, not because I'm the one who's talking, but because I've seen uh, people get wacky on this side and people get wacky on this side. And then uh, everybody
5: else gets wacky because they don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, and everybody else... <laughs> and so That's the truth. So part of the picture, folks, is that we have to be able to say, okay, there's some basic things that are very clear, and then there are some things that we need, we need discernment from God how to work out. You know. Um, but there, there are some basics that we have to be willing to die for. One of those is that for the sake of, of the good news of Yeshua going out, we have to be willing to, uh, to, to deny our rights and privileges, etc., um, our scruples sometimes, not moral scruples, um, in order to be able to stretch. And also, for the sake of the good news of, of uh, for the sake of fellowship between Jews and Gentiles, we have to be willing to, to bend. Um, however, people don't understand that when you say, I'm willing to be flexible. that doesn't mean that i am i am giving up and and i have i have no no ethics. you have to know when when to hold it when to fold it. <laughs> I know that's a scriptural principle, but you said
3: something okay Kenny Rabbi, you said something to me when when we first met that has always stuck with me, and that's i said i came from from a place that was yes or no, there was no maybe. And you said, I want to introduce you to a Jewish answer.
4: <laughs>
3: yes and no. And that's what this is. It's a, that's what I hear you saying. It's a yes and a no. It's not a, it's not a throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's not an either-or. Absol- it's a both.
0: Absolutely. And folks, part of what gets me and and I'm I'm in a soapbox here. Part of what gets me is that we look at Scripture from our perspective, and we say, I can understand. I work hard. I study hard. I will get it. I will be able to put it in a box and label it. And my thought is, no. Last time I checked, you are not God. And our brain is this big. (laughs) God's brain is, is this big and and there are things that god reveals to us because he pulls back the curtain so we get get these glimpses and there's lots of stuff that we we as yet do not understand and it's okay to say i don't understand it's a mystery it's very free amen good point michael it's very liberating because you don't have this 800 pound gorilla on you that says you will figure every every single thing out. That was hell. It is. It's hell. It's 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 pointless, and 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 it, when you realize who God is, then you say, you know, there's some things the Lord revealed <coughs> so that they're very plain. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. John, do you know that offhand? I do not, sir. Then turn to it. We'll finish with that. Yes? Well, he's looking that
1: up. I find it very interesting in Zechariah chapter 14 how the nations are going to have to go to Jerusalem once a year during the millennium right. to celebrate this Feast of the Tabernacles right. or they won't have rain in their nations for their crops to grow. Right. And they'll die. 29-29? Right. Uh
5: Yeah, it might be different Jewish. versus Christian
0: <laughs>
3: The secret things belong
0: to okay hang on uh, hang on John let's make sure that everybody has it it's important that that we have it yeah that's it all right John bellow please the secret things belong to the Lord our God the
3: things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may
0: follow all the words of this law okay. So you have a purpose statement here. The things that are mysterious belong to God. He has, he has all of it figured out. The things that he sees fit to communicate to us, he communicates to us, not so that we can sit, sit back and say, oh, look at me, I'm clever, I figured this out, but so that we can follow and obey his commandments. Very simple. And yes, there are things that are complex, and yes, there are things beyond us, but the things that God wants us to park, where He wants us to park, He says, I want you to park right here. And yes, there are things that are ambivalent, and we don't die for it, we don't kill each other for it. We say, I have some ideas, I have some thoughts. God knows the full picture. Uh, However, um... so, when we look at Galatians, it's not salvation or the Torah, but it's both. Now, before you, before you uh, do anything violent to me, I'm not saying that you have to have the Torah for salvation. What I'm saying is, if you really experience new life from God, you will understand the need to be in obedience to his commandments, Torah, Prophets, New Testament. By the way, uh, our favorite uh, reformer had fits with that. He called the uh, the letter to James an epistle of straw, because James talks about faith without works is dead. Right? Right. Right. Straw epistle. All right. Uh, well, we were going to look at uh, Galatians one, and I need that task with Rabbi David next week. Um, and uh, please, please read ahead, read chapter one, and reread it. Different translations, if you can, and. Uh, Speaking of Rabbi David, would you finish for us?
3: Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we had to meet. And we also just ask that you would, uh, that each one of us would not, that we would move forward in the study, that we would not be confused, that we would not be frustrated, but that Lord, we would come into this not trying to figure things out, but just trying to receive from you, that you would reveal to us things, Lord, that we would be at peace with. Uh, what you've written—not written something confusing or meant to confuse. So I pray that you would loosen the uh, soil of our hearts to receive, uh, receive your word, uh, and receive this, the things that are in this book of Galatians over these next several weeks and months, Lord.
2: Just, just thank you and, and uh, praise you for for this time in name well. Amen.